You are listening to the Far Out Podcast with me, Frank Hannon. Today's episode is brought to you by Bizarre Guitar, Reno, Nevada, and the one and only Gibson Guitar Company. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Far Out Podcast. It is a beautiful day in Northern California. You know why it's beautiful? Because it looks like it's going to rain today. This will be the first rain we've had in a long time. I was just outside spreading some grass seed out in the back pasture there because it's all dirty and dusty, and this rain is going to grow some grass. Far Out. This rainy day also reminds me of a few years ago, I used to call into KG. GGO in Des Moines, Iowa, and give them the weather report. Uh, some friends of mine there that worked there, Clutch and Brian James, they used to allow me to call in and do the weather, and it was my own weather show. It was called Metal Weather. And what I would do is I would mimic my favorite metal singer, Rob Halford, and go, Metal! It's raining outside, and that is your metal weather report. That was a fun time. But seriously, folks, right now is the busiest time of my life. I, I can't believe how busy I've been. Uh, Tesla's been off the road for a few months, and I've just been going crazy. I told you about the new beer. I've got the brand new single, Southside. I've been doing some solo shows with some special guests. Uh, coming up soon, I've got a cutting horse competition in Fort Worth, Texas. That's going to benefit the Carity Foundation and help some cancer patients. Um, there's going to be more news about that that I will share with you soon. Um, let's see. Oh, this morning, my great friend Kat Madru from the Eagle radio station in Sacramento came up and recorded her podcast, and she interviewed me. Check out her podcast, NorCal Names with Kat Madru. It's really cool. She uh, interviews all kinds of Northern California people. She's got John Fogarty. She's got Greg Raleigh from Santana. And now she's got yours truly, Frank Hannon coming up on one of her shows. So check out NorCal Names with Kat Madru. Far Out. This episode of the Far Out podcast is part two in a series. Last episode was Atomic Tommy McClendon, and this episode is with my great friend Greg Golden. And both of them were special guest guitarists at my last concert at the Boardwalk in Orangevale. That show was one of the funnest shows I've done in a long time. I had special guests jamming with me, Austin Moe, JT Lux, and my band Kelly Smith. Billy Rainey, Nick Nichols on bass, Atomic Tommy playing fiddle and guitar, and today's guest, Greg Golden. You 
there is a snippet from the new Greg Golden Band album. The album is called Storyteller, and the CD release party is going to be at Crystal Bay Casino in North Shore Lake Tahoe. That's Crystal Bay, Nevada, on Friday, December 27th, 2019. It's coming up pretty soon, Friday, December 27th, the Greg Golden Band CD release party. The brand new album is called Storyteller, and it's co-produced by Joe Retta and myself. I did some mixing on it and some recording, but actually Joe Retta is Greg Golden's new lead singer. Now, some of you may know the history of the Greg Golden Band. There's been some lineup changes and members leaving, but right now he's got one of the best band lineups he's ever had, and Joe Retta is his lead singer, and he really kicks ass. So be sure to check out the new album and the Greg Golden Band. You should be running! Well, all right, so let's get down to business. This interview with Greg Golden was recorded the Sunday after the show we played at the Boardwalk. I was a little frazzled, but we had a great conversation, and I'd just like to tell you a little bit about Greg Golden. Here's a guy who has survived many ups and downs in the music business. He uh, played in a band with Floyd Rose back in the 70s. Uh, He's been in business at Bizarre Guitar in Reno since 1974. And, you know, someone told me years Years ago, that if you can count your best friends on your right hand, then you're a lucky man. And I have to say, Greg Golden is definitely one of my best friends. He's a loyal, hardworking guy. He's a cancer survivor. He uh, is a former bodybuilder. Uh, he's a great musician and a great guitarist. And he's got a lot of uh, cool stories to share. So let's get right down to the interview. Far out. Man, what an awesome show. I am sitting here, barely able to talk. My voice is kind of scratchy, and I'm a little hungover from the Heavy Metal Hippie Double IPA debut at the Boardwalk last night. (laughs) But man, it was a killer show, and I am sitting here with my great friend, Greg Golden. How you doing, bro? I'm doing awesome, man. How are you doing? Was that not a killer show last night or what? That was so much fun. It was like a Frank Hannon love fest. (laughs) (laughs) A love fest. Well, it was a guitar love fest. And uh, you've been in business selling guitar since 1974, but you've been playing even longer than that. When did you start playing guitar, bro? December 22nd, 1959. I was seven. You remember the date? It was my birthday. Okay. Did you get a guitar for your birthday? I got a used Strat from my father and an amp. And that's the last time you ever played a Strat, isn't it? <laughs> it certainly is. Because <laughs> you are a lover of Gibson guitars. And we're going to talk about your gold tops and all the collection of beautiful Gibsons you have in the vault and your newly reformed relationship with Gibson guitars, which is awesome. Really quick, let's touch on that. Gibson guitars has made a complete turnaround. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, completely in every way. Yeah? Tell us about that. Okay. For instance, the, the company, you know, I've been a dealer since 1974 and decided not to be a dealer in roughly 2007. But the new management, the new CEO has some different ideas, and the quality of Gibson is the best it's ever been. And their ideas are great, and I'm really proud to be an online partner for them, one of the very few on Reverb.com, where we have a lot of our uh, really nice Gibsons uh, online and stuff. We stock a lot. Now, if people don't know what Reverb is, tell us what Reverb is. It's a sales site for specifically guitars, new, used, vintage, and it seems to be, you know, the online source of where most people buy instruments. eBay used to be the, the fad a few years ago, but Reverb has specialized in that. So it used to be eBay, but now it's Reverb.com, and that's where people go to buy quality 
used and new stuff. That's right? correct. Yes. So yeah, you showed me some pictures of the new Gibson line, and that flame top was just stunning. And you sold that within like five minutes. You told me we did. We we picked out. We have about fifteen new of the fifty nine reissues that are exact copies of the nineteen fifty nine Les Paul, and they're just beautiful. The woods are just spectacular. And the quality, I mean, right out of the box, I'm a guitar player, so right out of the box, you check the necks on them, the action's perfect, the harmonics are set, they're packed perfectly. I'm very impressed with Gibson's quality, it's unmatched. Isn't it great? I went to the factory uh, last year, and Cesar, the new manager there, took me around, and uh, he was personally inspecting every single Les Paul to make sure that the the curves were just right on the headstock, and the necks were feeling right. So their attention to detail now has really turned back around to how it used to be in the old days. It's true. Customer service and the quality of the product has never been as good as it is right now. So let's get back to Greg Golden and his 54 Les Paul Gold Top. That guitar is a, a thing of legend <laughs> like your amps, legend amps. <laughs> and like you, my friend, since 1974, Bizarre Guitar, you've had a lot of ups and downs in your career. You've seen a lot of things come and go. What did you think about the young blood on stage last night, man? Austin Moe and JT Lux and seeing these young kids now that are playing guitars. What do you think about that? It's exciting to see because for the longest time, there hasn't been any, you know, Jeff Becks, you know, Richie Blackmore. Uh, Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Uh, there hasn't been much of that kind of stuff going on. It seems like the, the younger generation, in my estimation, kind of got hung up with the uh, instant gratification of, you know, either uh, online or cell phones or video games. Yeah. And so it's, it's taken away from the, the originality and the creativity. And, and it was nice to see the young guys last night pouring it out. It was great. So speaking of young guys, Jared James Nichols. Oh, he's awesome guitar player. He's a Gibson artist and an Epiphone artist. And what a great guy and a killer guitar player. Awesome. And I was elated when you invited me to play. We played the Powerhouse Pub together with him, and it was an amazing show, and uh, always nice to uh, to be able to be invited to play. I've done a few shows with Jared at Two Frogs Grill in Ardmore, Oklahoma, thanks to Aubrey. What a great guy he is, and he's a Gibson lover, too. He's got an early 80s uh, Silverburst Les Paul that was his first great guitar. So let's talk about your Les Paul collection. Last night, you were playing a 68 gold top that's correct and that's like one of my favorite les pauls that you have i love that guitar i don't know why 68 was a great year for guitars wasn't it it was the first year les paul shapes quit making in 1961 and they came out again in 68 the 68 models had p90s which i'm a fan of humbuckers so when i got that guitar in 1969 i pulled the p90s out and put humbuckings into it and um they're very much like a 50s guitar the uh, 54 Gold Top Les Paul, that's your main guitar, that one had a Bigsby on it when you first got it? It had Bigsby and P90s in 1970. I took that one apart and took off the P90s, put on buckings, yeah. and then changed the Bigsby to a stop bar. And a tunematic and being a young kid, I put it on a little bit the wrong thing. I had to dial it a couple times to get it perfect, but it's, it plays great. And I've changed the pickups over the years, and it's a screamer. And so speaking of Bigsby... Your original gold top that you had with a Bigsby uh, was having trouble staying in tune. And back in the 70s, uh, you were in a band with the famous Floyd Rose. That's correct. And my number two guitar, number three guitar is always a guitar with a Bigsby. But a Bigsby, you're kind of limited to doing just some slight bends and you can't do any kind of, you know, die bombs like a Floyd Rose, like like you did last night with your brand new song that just sounded amazing. <laughs> Southside, I'm getting a little Floyd Rose happy on that song. <laughs> That's my new single, Southside. And, uh, those uh, whammy bar licks were actually inspired by, uh, people would say Eddie Van Halen, but 
for me, Atomic Tommy McClendon, who also played with us. He was uh, a great whammy bar player, and uh, so he influenced those licks on that song. <laughs> so I had uh, my number two guitar was a 1970 Les Paul Deluxe with a factory Bigsby, which is extremely rare. But again, you're limited to the Bigsby just doing slight bends, and Floyd wanted me to do and some... staying in tune. And it's... staying in tune. And Floyd wanted me to do some stuff that was like dive bomb stuff, because he came out with an album, which I played on. And so anyway, um, he said I could change that I could put a locking nut on there and drill through the neck. And I said, no, no, we're not drilling through the neck. He goes, well, I could top glue that and I could put some rubber grommets in the bridge and lock the bridge down, which he did. So the very first locking tremolo and the very first idea for Floyd Rose uh, was done in March of 1976 on my Les Paul Deluxe. And uh, from that spawned the Floyd Rose invention, which is just amazing. And history was made once again by Gray Golden and Floyd Rose <laughs> creating uh, probably the world's best whammy bar tremolo system. There's nothing that stays in tune like a Floyd Rose. And he, from that, he's modified it with the fine tuners and all that. But I have the original one uh, on display in my store, which is Bizarre Guitar in the Vault, which I'm pretty proud of that guitar because I've had it a long time. So Bizarre Guitar is in Reno, Nevada, everyone. Uh, if you're passing through on Highway 80, crossing the country, whatever you're doing, if you're on vacation, it's worth the trip to visit Bizarre Guitar and check out the vault. You've got some amazing artifacts in there. You've got Chuck Ruff's drum kit. Now, Chuck Ruff is the drummer who played the famous drum solo on Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. He was on the Edgar Winter Only Come Out at Night album. Phenomenal drummer. He was like a brother. He was my store manager for the drums for 20 years. I played in bands with him most of my life. Rest in peace. He died in 2012, but his legend still lives on at the store. Yeah, Chuck was a great guy. I remember the first time I met Chuck, I was always a fan of Montrose and Edgar Winter and Ronnie Montrose had Chuck in his band, I think, for a while off and on. But Chuck was a little bit of a party animal, and uh, Ronnie being the Mr. Serious guy, that didn't work out for very long. Here's a funny story. When I first met Chuck, City Kid, uh, before Tesla, had got a gig on the island of Guam, right? And uh, there was a booking agent that was booking all these local bands from Reno, Sacramento, the Bay Area, to go to Hawaii, Japan, and Guam, of all places. And uh, Michael Furlong's That's band right. was uh, playing there. And Chuck was playing with Mike Furlong. Correct. And uh, Mike Furlong is a great musician. He does a Tom Petty tribute, right? Correct. He's really good. Anyway, Chuck was in a boat. We were on a little rowboat crossing <laughs> from the island of Guam down to this little tiny island that was having a festival. And you, we literally had to get in this little pontoon boat. Like, it only carried five of us. And I'll never forget, I was only 17 years old at the time. My first time out of the country. People don't know this, but Guam has like flying cockroaches and lizards. And it was like a trip for this kid to be over there. And here I am in a paddle boat going across a little stretch of ocean to get to this little island on the south of Guam with Chuck Ruff, the drummer <laughs> of Frankenstein. <laughs> and he had an ice chest full of beer. Of course. <laughs> yeah, rest in peace, Chuck Ruff, one of the greatest rock and roll legends of all time. So let's see. Let's shift gears now to the theme of the far out podcast us musicians who do other things besides music which is uh kind of unusual you've done a lot of interesting things you've coached ball i coached baseball for almost 20 years uh, my son was a two-time all-american for baseball and i coached at galena high school and had a real famous summer team in reno and 
kind of as I've gotten older, I've gotten more and more and more into the music, and of course I have the business. Well, with music, you got to have teamwork, and running a store, you got to have teamwork. Anything really in life, it takes a team to make it happen. It's true, and if you have that mentality of having a team, then you just you work at putting your teams together. Yeah. Uh, let's tell everybody how much of a pain in the ass it is to put a band together <laughs> and keep it together. Anybody that's been in a band knows that history and that knows the story of how that works. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's talk about another far out thing that's out of the box of music for the history of Grey Golden. You were actually a bodybuilder. I was. So you coached baseball teams, but then you also worked out. Was that around the same time period? It kind of was. After baseball, it seems like I had one obsession after the next, and I got into bodybuilding and working out, and I competed in Nevada and, and won a couple of trophies, and I continued with that for a few years. And then just as I got older, I just had started having some joint problems and kind of pushing more towards the music, which I enjoy the most. That's awesome, man. And so the training and drive that it takes to succeed and win, what, Mr. Nevada? Is that what it was? It was uh, 40 and over Mr. Nevada, and I placed first in that. Dude, that is so rad. I've seen photos of your competition as a bodybuilder, and it's mind-boggling, man. I wouldn't have even recognized you. I worked hard, and it was mostly you know, through, through diet. You go through and just measure out everything. It it's really takes you out of your comfort level for eating food because food is, is really not a, a fun thing. Then it becomes a tool for what you're trying to do, which is to chisel your body. You Did know? you have a trainer? Phil Pape from Phil's Nutrition in Reno helped me tremendously through things. Yeah, and so what kind of training program did you have to do? How many days a week were you working out? See, that's kind of a myth. People think that more is makes you bigger and stuff. It actually makes you less. I worked out 45 minutes a day, five days a week, but the 45 minutes were super intense. And is it small reps, short reps are more effective? or what's uh, It's, it's everything. It's, it's mixing it up. Lower reps is, is building bulk muscle. Higher reps is, is more definition, so you do a little, little of all. Like one week you go heavy, one week you go light, one week you go medium. There's a guy that I want to get on the Far Out podcast. He's a super nice guy. He goes by the name of Eric, the trainer. He's a famous bodybuilder trainer guy for movie stars down in L.A., and he's invited me down to his gym. Uh, he was on the Def Leppard tour, and uh, he was giving us some workout training tips. And, you know, he was training Phil Collin. Obviously, you see how buffed yeah, he's Phil pretty Collin ripped. is. And he was training Vivian Campbell and Sav. All the guys in Def Leppard were working out with Eric. And uh, he's a super nice guy, and he invited me down to his gym. But he was showing me these really simple, just three-inch little reps with the weights. I mean, you don't really do full motion. No. Short he, range of motion. Right. But he also told me that one of the crucial things is sleep, which is something I don't get. That's much when of. you recuperate. I don't get much sleep. But. No, I, especially after last night. <laughs> especially after every <laughs> night. Coming up at four o'clock in the morning. Far out. This next portion of the Far Out podcast is brought to you by Gibson Guitars. Celebrating 125 years of quality craftsmanship. When you want the best tone, play a Gibson guitar. What a night last night at the Boardwalk, man. We had a great show. It was killer. It was off the hook. It was sold out. And it was all about guitar, man. Every guitar on stage last night, I think with the exception of one, was a Gibson. That's correct. Austin Moe has a vintage uh, 70s Gibson Flying V that sounds killer. What do you know about that guitar, man? 
Uh, Austin's guitar is uh, it, it, it's an unusual guitar. It's, it dates actually like 1969, but it has a volute, which puts it like at a 73. So we're uh, the kind of jury's out on that a little bit. It may have been a refin. It's nonetheless a rare guitar. Uh, unusual. It sounds killer. If anybody has any questions, give Greg a call at Bizarre Guitar or um, send him an email or something because you can identify by serial numbers and parts. Any Gibson guitar, you can pretty much identify when it was made and all the details, right? It's true. I've seen just about everything. And, you know, in our vault, we have a, your favorite guitar is a 58 Carina Flying, the original, which was 82 made total. And we, Frank and I did a music video three or four years ago. He was just ripping to death on that V. We've had a lot of guys that just go, wow, that's the one Frank was playing. That was the first time I'd ever got to play a, a, a really authentic 58 Flying V. Speaking of which, Joe Bonamassa, huh? How about that guy? Uh, he's got so many rare guitars, it's hard to believe. He's the ultimate guitar collector and the ultimate modern guitar player, too, it's in true. today's world, in, in the blues world, in the rock world. I'm really proud of Joe. Joe was in a band called Bloodline that opened for Tesla back in the 90s. Wow, did not know that. And he was probably 16 years old, hadn't sang anything yet, but man, he was burning it up on the guitar. All right. And uh, I've got a Joe Bonamassa signature Epiphone Flying V sitting right there that... I got at your shop. Yep, that's true. And that's the closest thing to your 58 that it I've is. ever played. It is, it sounds killer. It's Karina guitar. It feels just like your 58. It's called an Amos Flying V. It's made by Epiphone. Kind of has that wider neck. That big fat yeah. neck, yeah. So now Joe's out rocking uh, on his own, singing, and just, it's awesome to see uh, a guy like that persevere. That's what it takes in this business is perseverance. Don't ever give up and just keep being yourself and singing and... You know, I'd like to bring up something. You know, one of the things with with uh, with bands, it seems like there's more and more electrics, less and less acoustics. And I know Jimmy Page was famous for playing acoustic and electric. But when you came onto the scene in, in the 80s, you were really the first guy that I ever saw that really, like with Love Song, bridging acoustic guitars and electric guitars. I, I, I credit Frank Hanna from Tesla being my influence for that. I've Thanks. seen a lot of guys play, and I'm looking here at your collection of Gibson guitars, and, and half of them are electric, half are acoustic. I'd like to kind of have you explain how you got into so much acoustic stuff, because that's really amazing. Like last night, you played acoustic on a number of songs, and people went crazy for it. Thanks, man. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, acoustic and electric guitar, especially when you mix them together in the same song, it really adds a whole element of style to it i don't know how to describe it is it organic uh, something it, it just adds a, a vibe to the song like when we do modern day cowboy it's a basically a heavy metal rock song but then in the verses i put that acoustic in there and it changes the whole vibe and i, I don't know how i stumbled upon that other than peter frampton is one of my big influences jimmy page you'd mentioned keith richards all my favorite musicians that i grew up listening to paul mccartney from the beatles they always mixed electric and acoustic together. And then you're right, in the 80s, that really disappeared because it was all about flash in the pan, pyrotechnic electric guitar playing. And I think that did set Tesla apart a little bit, putting the acoustic guitar into the mix. When I was a kid, you know, it was like Peter, Paul, and Mary or, or somebody who was strictly acoustic guitar. Uh, you didn't see many guys that played acoustic and then go to electric. That was surprising to me. That was kind of turned me on to Tesla was, was that aspect because it was totally different than anything I'd ever heard. Even though I know Jimmy Page is probably one of the guys that, that played, but he's primarily electric. I know that you played in my partner's club. That's when I first met you. It was like in 82, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys came in, and, and from that later on, I noticed you were playing you know, acoustics and electrics, and you've had some, some big hits on the acoustic. 
Acoustic guitar is, there's nothing else like it, man. It's a portable a portable friend that you can take and be at a campsite or you can be at a party and just start singing and playing, you know. Bob Dylan and storytelling, Johnny Cash, all the great artists, Willie Nelson, all my favorite artists play acoustic guitar. And uh, it's something that I, I'm lucky that I stumbled on at a young age. When I was uh, 16, I really wanted to to be able to play acoustic and electric at the same time. So I had a uh, a welder make a stand for me to to hold it in the playing position to where you know you can play it. And since then, now you can buy those stands. I think they're called Gracie stands or Ultimate Support makes one, um, where it holds the acoustic guitar in the position for you, so you can play electric and then step up to it and play acoustic. You know, in my opinion, Gibson guitars makes the best acoustics too. Not to keep stroking Gibson, but it's true. I mean, they are the best of the best. The Gibson Montana division up there, I've toured it several times, and the staff and the people, the laborers that are putting their heart and soul in, I mean, there's a lady there whose hands are so tough from applying that glue to the wood, and bent. she literally bends the sides of the wood with her hands. People don't realize that Gibson guitars are, are handmade. It's not like their machine spits them out like a lot of the other brands. Um, Gibson guitars and like I say the newest quality uh, is unbelievable it's unmatched I've never seen the quality like this well my cousin Mike just brought up a couple beautiful Gibson acoustics that we're going to talk about and take some pictures of a couple doves uh, a hummingbird a J200 is that what he had down yes there? natural J200 and I was telling Mike Mike, if you could visit the factory in Montana and see how many hands touched this guitar and how many people really worked hard on making this guitar, it would blow you away. Take a trip if you're ever in Bozeman, Montana, check it out. All right, Greg, well, thanks for joining me on the Far Out Podcast, man. Is uh, there anything you want to say to our listeners out there? No, I just thank everyone, especially for the folks that came last night to the to the sold out show and a lot of fans, a lot of friends, and I'm honored to be a part of the music community. Thank you so much. Yeah, and congratulations on your new deal with Gibson Guitars and right. uh, Reverb.com. And uh, if anybody wants to buy a Gibson guitar, they should find you on Reverb. And tell us how they find you. You can go to www.bizarreguitar.com or you can go to Reverb.com and type in Bizarre Guitar. We have a lot of listings on there. And, you know, there's other imposters out there, other bizarre guitars that have popped up, but you're the original since 1974. It's our 45th year. 45th year, Bizarre Guitar, Reno, Nevada. Thank you so much. This has been the Far Out Podcast. I'm your host, Frank Hannon. Thank you very much for tuning in.